is your boy Rodney Perry. You tuned in to Rodney Perry Live, and the show is going to be super duper off the chain today. Uh, before we get into the interview, before we talk to my man and my girl, I definitely got to put this in here. You, you, this is what I got to get out there, y'all. Rodney Perry, we on tour. The Black Tour is in full effect. Um, people have been asking me, Rod, what is the Black Tour? Well, of course, I'm going around the country. I'm playing comedy clubs all around the country. But beyond that, I realize that in every city, there's black history. And, you know, we always complain, black folks, we always complain, how come we only got the shortest month of the year? Well, it's up to you how you embrace black history. And so what I'm doing is every city I'm going into, I'm finding those nuggets of black history. Uh, uh, Richmond, Virginia, I went to the Hippodrome in um, in um, in Kansas City. We went to the Negro League Hall of Fame. So you can go on my, uh, my YouTube page and check out all that great stuff, or you can just go to the website, RodneyPerry.com, and that will bring you up to speed on all of the great, great videos we're doing around the country. It's the Black Tour. It's in full effect. Um, up next, Cleveland. The Cleveland Improv is up next. And then on um, April 24th, right here in Atlanta, Rock Comedy. That's my comedy show, my once a month I do right here in Atlanta. So it's going to be off the chain. Y'all, y'all stay with me, and I'm going to stay with y'all. I can't wait to bring my guests on today. I'm going to take a quick break. When I come back, we're going to be talking to my man, Mr. Freeze Love. Y'all stay right there. This is Rodney Perry. You're tuned in to Rodney Perry Live. What's up, world? Thanks for tuning in to Rodney Perry Live. Don't forget to follow Rodney on Twitter, at Rodney Perry. And for all your Rodney Perry updates, text Rodney Perry with no spaces to 41411. That's Rodney Perry. Mash that thing together and text it to 41411. Now, back to the show. If you're looking for the latest in comedy, news, and entertainment, the only place to go is the Humor Meal. Check out the website, humormealmag.com. Humor Meal, the only place for comedy, news, and entertainment. I see you, Frank. Hi. You are not going to believe this. I bought Pepsi Next. What's Pepsi Next? It's the new cola from Pepsi. It's got real cola taste, but 60% less sugar. Real cola taste. 60% less sugar? Mmm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I know. It's unbelievable. Yeah. But this is the most impressive mm. thing I've ever experienced in my entire life. Oh, definitely. Oh. <laughs> I've never had anything like it. My parents are going to... Yeah, yes. they're going to be so proud. Introducing Pepsi Next. Drink it to believe it. Are you getting this, honey? It's going viral. Hey, hey, y'all, we are back. This is your boy, Rodney Perry. You're tuned in to Rodney Perry Live. And, you know, all the time when, when I do interviews myself, you know, people ask me about this show, and they're like, why did you do this show? Well, I did this show for a couple of reasons. First of all, as I looked at the landscape of, of terrestrial radio, I realized it was becoming increasingly difficult to get on and advertise my shows. Because of syndication, you got people like, you know, Steve Harvey and Ricky Smiley and, and those big shows, and they really don't like to sound local. So when you're in X City, for that weekend, a lot of times it's harder to get on the, the the big shows to tell people about what's going on. So I created this show. And the other reason I created this show is to talk to my friends, to talk to the cats and, you know, the funny people, the musicians, all the people that, that really is like dope people. And today I get to chop it up with one of the dopest, one of the coldest uh, comedians, one of the dopest actors. Man, man, freeze love. What's up, y'all? What's up, Roddy Perry, man? Man, thank you for having me on your show, brother. God bless, man. That's real. Hey, hey, man. It's you. You are. Uh, first of all, I'm a fan. You know, I'm mm-hmm. a fan. Uh, wow. I, I, 
Ingram used to come down and bless us when I was at Hollywood Park Casino. You would pop in yeah. and kill the stage. And man, that was the lake, boy. That, that, that was the Cat lake, Williams man. show, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's you went back. I, I, I forgot about. It. I was thinking about you about hanging out at the uh, Comedy Union up there when, before it was the Comedy Union when it was mixed nuts. Mixed I remember nuts. kicking it with you over there too. Yeah, man. I'm a fan of yours, too. You know that, man. I, you know, there's a few people that, you know, when you're a comedian, it's hard. It's sad to say, but it is hard to make us laugh because it's part of our life. Yeah. But when you see another comedian that, that, that touches you, you never forget it. And, and that's how I feel about you. You touched me many a times on that, which just really made me laugh. And I appreciate it. I'm, I'm there to support in any way at any time with you, man. And I mean that, brother. Wow, man, that's, that's that's huge, man. Like I said, Freeze, I, I'm a real fan. Uh, let, let, let's just jump right into it. Um, okay. You wanted to catch that that what, as I was developing, and and you start to try to kind of find your voice. You always had a real clear voice, but what I respected is the way you made your transition into acting. But you never lost your comedy. How how deliberate was that for you? You know, it, it was it was a matter of wanting to eat. <laughs> I had to eat, baby. I, you know, I, a lot of comedians, especially in L.A., you know, it's really hard. You can't live off a of stage time in Los Angeles. Yeah. You know, it's in L.A. is the, it's an actor's game. So you you gotta work. You can't work during the day because you gotta be free to go on these auditions, mm-hmm. and you don't get paid at night. But you gotta go do comedy, so it's hard to have a night job. Right. So it becomes a real hustle if you're committed to. Being an entertainer, especially in Los Angeles, you have to be willing to work. And I was willing to work. I didn't care if it was one line, two lines, whatever. Whatever opportunity I had, I was taking it. As long as I felt, you know, that I could could, could, could pull it off, you know what I'm saying? And I did that. And, I, and I, I rocked it. And then, you know, after I did that for about 10 years, I just got to the point where I was like, yo, I'm, I'm a comedian, man. I'm not, yeah. you know, I am an actor. I love it. But I'm a stand-up comedian, so that's when I picked up and moved to New York, where stand-up is, is is king. You you can eat, you can make a living as a comedian in, in New York, and you get a diverse room at all times. You know, they got about 40 rooms up there, and then they got about 15 to 17 mainstream clubs. Right. So you can be a comedian that works in New York, and that's what I went out there, and it just sharpened, you know, it, it, once you once you're living off a of comedy, it, the, the game gets serious. Yeah. And, and your your knives and your jokes get poignant and, and sharp. And I wanted that, so I went out there, and that's what I, you know, strive for. And I've I've been blessed, thank God. You know, I've been on the road with Charlie Murphy for the past six and a half years, and we have literally been to ten countries with the tour that we're on right now, the Acid Trip tour. So right now I'm 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 standing in the rain outside of a barber shop in Salt Lake City. The only black barbershop in Salt Lake. City. I was about to say, you found a black barbershop in Salt Lake? <laughs> yeah, we found one. He said there's another one, but he didn't want to tell us the name because the competition. <laughs> man, man that's, that's, but, that's so that's so gangster, man. You know, um, you know, I, I've had the opportunity to open, you know, for some some great comics, uh, and and a tour with some really good comics. Talk to me about the camaraderie of the road. Well, when you're out here on the road, man, it's it's a different it's a different life for comedians. When you're in the club, it's very competitive. 
cats, you know, they click up and they, they hate on each other. And then and it's, it's, it's silliness. But when you're on the road, man, you're so happy to see another comedian yeah. that you, you kick it and you bond. And you say, oh, you've been there? Oh, well, what's happening with that? What, what, what do they do there? Oh, make sure you go to this restaurant when you go to that city and talk to this dude. And, and, and the, you know, the camaraderie kicks in because you realize, you know, you're in a home. Like, I'm in Salt Lake City. The only people I know right now in Salt Lake City are the comedians that are on this show. Yeah. And that's, that's Jay Whitaker, a local dude, and Charlie Murphy. And me and Charlie, I mean, Jay is an opener, but... And he's a local, you know, maybe here he may have a, a tough time, but right now he's our lifeline because right. we're all comedians, you know? Yep, yep, very true. Wow. Yeah. Hey, y'all, this is Roddy Perry. You're tuning in to Roddy Perry Live. We're talking to my man, Freeze Love. You can check out his website. It's Freeze Love Comedy. That's F-R-E-E-Z-L-U-V Comedy.com. And, of course, he's on yes, Twitter. Sir. He's at Freeze Love Comedy, um, and also he's got the, the crazy Facebook page. I love it, man. Man, yo, thank you. That's the yeah, I promote my rap group, the Killer Whales. The Killer Whales. We got from the perspective of orcas. We here for Greenpeace. That's what we talk about, the Killer Whales. I love it, the man. The biggest baddest in the, in the ocean. You understand? Hey, hey I, I know you took a, a real strong stance on on joke thievery. What's your take on that? And um, Well, I, I don't like it. And the reason I don't like it is because it really does hurt the craft and it hurts the audience. You know what I'm saying? If you work all week, you spend your hard-earned money, and you go to a comedy show, and then you got five different cats saying the same thing, just slightly different, mm-hmm. and that's the waste of your money. And guess what? You're not going to come to a comedy club again. You know, it's just, right. you're like, oh, man, I don't want to do that. They're going to say the same thing all over and over again. And, it's, and you know, it hurts the craft. It hurts the business, number one. Number two, it hurts It hurts the comedians. I mean, if you're a comedian, man, especially if you're a young comedian, and you get on that track of, of biting and stealing jokes and leaning on people's uh, premises and all of that, mm-hmm. you hurt your development, man. You're not getting what, what you can get out of this. It's so much better to... To, to create your own thing and 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 come from the heart, you get it's way more rewarding, man. And I, 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 and I, I live agree. by that, and I practice that, and I, that's what I preach. You know, what I mean, hey, dudes, do, do, do what they do, but if you want to be one of the greats, you got to be original, man. Hey, man, from Altadena, California, yes, uh, son of Vern and Janet. Uh, yeah. What's it, what's it like for your family? When you pop on Malcolm and Eddie, and you're not you're not playing a black dude. It's a, well, I tell you, man, it's funny because both my parents, you know, they passed away. God rest them, and they did their job. I love them, I, I, and if I need to talk to them, believe me, I do. Yeah. But I, you know, when it it was funny because the first thing they saw me on was House Party Three. Okay. And you know, I told them, I said, you know, I'm gonna be in this movie. And they said, is that right? Okay, well, good stuff, son, you know. <laughs> right. And, you know, about a week later, my mom saw a billboard for House Party 3 on the side of a bus. And she came in, you, you're going to be in the movie. You're really going to be in the movie. I said, yeah, I told you I was going to be in the movie. They said, no, but I mean, really, you're going to be talking and everything. I said, yeah, right. yeah. And then they saw it, and it was it was crazy because... The response after they saw it wasn't what you would think. It wasn't. It was all. It was like wow. It, they looked at me 
Sean, who is this dude? You are in, you really are in a movie. My mother once told me, she's like, watching you perform, she said this to me, it's like not watching my son, it's like watching something else. You know, so right. maybe that's what it was. And, and it bugs you out because it's like, wait a minute, mom, this is still me. You know, and it's like, no, you in a movie now, <laughs> you know. And then, you know, but they always knew. I mean, my whole life as a kid, all my friends, everybody knew I would play my thing was always people's voices and accents, so it, it wasn't nothing new to them. When they saw me playing Hector or Malcolm and Eddie, yeah. they was like, man, you done pulled it off. I knew you would have done it. Got Have you done the Arab form yet? I'm like, no, I ain't seen the Arab yet. Well, it gives them time. They will see the Arab. They will be patient. They will see. Don't you worry. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> you know, so. And I've done that as a kid. I was always doing it. I always, you know, I, thank God I grew up in in a very diverse, you know, atmosphere. Pasadena, Altadena, California is diverse. And not just racially, but economically diverse, mm-hmm. religiously diverse. So I was able to grow up with some of everybody, you know. And I would make friends with them, and I would go home with them, and I would see how they would talk at home would be different than how they would talk at schools. I would always try to bust them out at school with talking how they talk at home, you know. <laughs> I love it. So... So how did how did Freeze Love come about? How did you choose that name? Well, you know, I started in the and I started as a rapper. I was I, my first first professional deal went down in 1987 with Profile Records. Wow! And I was in a group called AWP 360 Productions. And from 87 to 80, oh excuse me, from 87 to 92, I had been on about five different labels with my group. And then I started comedy in '92, and um, it was it was crazy because I was in the studio, and I was I was making fun of the engineer. He 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 wore a toupee. I was calling him Harry Wigman, and the dude was getting all upset. And he turned all the equipment off. He said, "Listen, I didn't come to work today to be chastised by a professional comedian." And all my all my friends were there. They said, "See, we told you you could be a professional. We told you." And then my my friend who was paying for the studio said, "Yo, let me holler at you." They pulled me out the booth, and he said, "Listen, Freeze, you are a good MC. You are a good rapper, man. But right now, the game calls for an extraordinary MC, and that's not you." So listen, man. We we working with this kid. We brought him out here from New Mexico. His name is Exhibit. And we want to try him out in the booth. So why don't you come out the booth and let let's let this guy get out? And I was like, man, f you and exhibit, man. I'm going in the booth. <laughs> and my friends was like, no, man, he's serious. He said, listen, man, you're a good rapper, but to be honest, you are the funniest person I've ever met in my life. You really need to be doing comedy. And one of my friends stood up and he said, yo, he ain't lying. And my cousin, his name is Danny. He runs the comedy store. We can go right now. So I was on the spot. I was like, yeah, you ain't said nothing. Let's go. And we all mobbed down to the comedy store on Sunset. We wasn't far from where we were. Right. And it was like everyone that was with me, they, they knew me as Freeze Love. You know, they knew me as Freeze. That was my MC name. And so the dude was like, okay, we're going to put you up and, I said, all right, cool, when? He said, all right, about five more people. So I was sitting there, I was waiting. I was like, five more people, five more people. And everybody was, was uh, you know, going in line. It was going up, and there was a group in the audience 
it was really talking yes to everybody. It was heckling every comedian. And I was right. worried. I was like, all right, if these dudes come to me, man, there's too many, too many people that I know in here from the rap community. I can't write that down. What am I going to do? <laughs> right. You know, because I, you know, I was worried. I didn't want to sacrifice the little underground name that I had built up in hip-hop. Like, yeah, he was a rapper. Then they clowned him. You know, I didn't want that. Right, right, right. So I, was, <laughs> you know, I was building up the courage. And then the guy, he said, all right, you're next. I said, great. So the guy who was on stage, they heckled him to the point. He said, well, if you think you could do better, I'd like to see you come up here and try. And the dude came out the audience and went up on stage and just started doing comedy. And I was like, hey, man. You know, now my, 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 uh, I was so eager. You know, I was, you know, I was nervous the first time. You, you, I can't believe it. And now this other guy is there, and I'm supposed right. to be there. I said, hey, I'm supposed to be next, right? He said, yeah, you are, but, but man, you're more than welcome to go take the mic from him. I said, really? <laughs> cool, no yeah. problem. So I walked right up on stage. I said, yo, man, give me the mic. And the dude looked, he said, what? He said, yo, man, you're not next. Give me the microphone. He said, hey, man. I said, man, give me the goddamn mic, man. <laughs> And he shoved the mic to me. I was just, don't see it now. I'm like ready to, you know, I'm ready to battle, whatever. Right. And he gave me the mic, and I said, now sit your fat shopper rights looking self down. What's your name? He said, my name is Phaser. I said, Phaser? What kind of Star Trek shit is that? Phaser? Phaser. I said, man, this dude looked like the shiny black circle on a gorilla's stomach. And, wow. And that was it. He didn't know who I was, and that was Phaser Love. And he was. He he was a real comedian. I didn't know that. I thought he was just a dude in the audience that disrupted the show. And I was on the show, so I had the right to do that. I felt. But dude, in, it just let me say it, something. It, I gotta stop you. For, I gotta stop. You. That is the best story in the world, nigga. <laughs> man. Hey, and, and the thing is that there were so many people in the room who were happy because I'm telling you, Faison and the, and the rest of the dudes with him were heckling everybody. Right. So it was like, here's somebody standing up to these guys. And the next dude said something. I said, man, whatever, man. What's your name? He said, don't worry about my name. I said, all right, if you don't want to tell me your name, what's that little girl's name? Because every time you open your mouth, we hear her voice. What's her name? And that was Chris Tucker. And wow. I had never seen Chris Tucker. I didn't, you know, and the next dude was uh, A.J. Johnson. You know, he's from yeah, 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 yeah. I had never seen him, and I, I saw him. I said, and you, I know you're about to start talking mess, too, but before you do, take off your hat and show everybody the circle. And he took his hat off. He said, I got all my hair. What you talking about? I said, no, nah, not the ball spot, the circle. What you do with the circle? He said, what circle? I said, that circle that had your little ass attached to the keychain you fell off of. What you do to the circle? Everybody went nuts, man. And it so happened, Eddie Griffin was in the room. I got off. I said, yo, man, my name is Freeze Love, and now I do this, okay? Got off stage. Eddie Griffin said, man, your name is Freeze Love? I said, yeah. He said, wow, how long you been doing this? I said, this is my first time. He said, no, I don't mean the room. I'm in comedy. I said, this was my first time ever. He said, what? He said, man, I'm I want you to be my opening act. I want to show you this business. He said, because you got it. You just need to learn it. But I want yeah. you to come on the road with me. And I did. For the next seven years, I was his opening act, and I learned this business, you know, for the first seven years of it anyway. So I'm, 
forever grateful to everybody in that room because even though we started like that, those, those are some of my best friends in this business now, you know. Man, I, I got to tell you, dude, that that is by far the best story <laughs> of a first time on stage that I've ever heard. Y'all, man, you listen to my yeah. man Freeze Love. This is Roddy Perry. You tune in to Roddy Perry Live. Dude, Yo, <laughs> that, that is real. the sickest story on the planet, dog. Yeah, and I it was, it, it was crazy because my life changed. You know, seven months after doing that, boom, I was in House Party 3. I was supposed to have one line in the movie and ended up with five scenes and on the poster. From that, it was it was Dangerous Minds and and it just movies. It was it was I was hot, but you know, it, you you don't really understand when it comes that quick. You don't even understand. You just think this is how it is. Yeah. You know, you haven't really gone through the hardships of the business. At that point, I hadn't yet, you know. And did you, did you, did you, you respect grow. it? Did you, do you think you respected it at that point? I, or, or I no? didn't respect it. I could tell you now I didn't respect it because I didn't, you know, I didn't have the quest. I didn't go on any real journey. I mean, I went on a little journey with the with the music business and then now here comedy, but it wasn't the journey. Now, now after 20 years in the game, I look back and it's like, wow, man, I was really – Green, you know, when I did Def Jam in 95, and you can see it on YouTube with, with the Def Jam All-Stars, you have to understand, I had only been doing comedy at that point, literally, for about a year and a half. Wow. <laughs> so, I didn't, you know, you, you this is a craft. you got to learn this, you know. And even though you may be good at it out the box, it's still you have to learn the craft to stand up. Yeah, I and, you know, and so I, I can honestly say I did not respect it, but I respect it now. After life starts kicking you in the ass behind this business, you you, you either respect it or it kills you. And I respect it. So now, that's why, you know, what I have coming out this summer is the Freeze Love Underdog Comedy Tour. And it's, it's a worldwide tour. We're going all over, man. And I'm taking in my, my young homie, Jabari Davis, who's also from Altadena. Next generation of comedy out of Altadena, he's going to be my feature. So please look out for that. And you know I will be calling you back to talk to you oh, and, man. and interview you for my thing because I respect you so much. Your hustle, your tenacity to business is, I'm telling you, you're a beacon. So many people need to, to take heed to what Rodney is doing and what he has done, and that's what, that's what we have to do. You have to be a man and, and a woman. You have to stand up on your feet and believe in what you, what you believe in and go for it. And that's what you do, and I thank you for that, because you truly, truly inspire me. Every time I see your tweets, every time I see your postings, every time I get an email, I'm like, man, that's my dude. That is, I want to be like, writing, man. That's my dude, man. And I mean that, man. You know, the Monique show, you took that, and you just kept going, baby. So keep going. I'm, 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 I got to get back, my dude. Hey man, much much respect. It's called the Freeze Love Underground Comedy Tour. Now you know what underdog. I cannot underdog. I, underdog 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 yeah underdog Freeze Love Underdog Comedy Tour. I love and it. And you will I love be it. Yeah, you'll be passing out with the next few And what's the, the, what's the young weeks. man you got on there with you? What's his name? His name is Jabari Davis, and you can check him out at JabariDavis.com or on Twitter at at Jabari Davis. Tight tight young comedian. Dude is like I said, he's from Altadena, and Altadena is a section of Los Angeles that's infamous because Rodney King is from Altadena, Sirhan yeah. is from Altadena. There's a lot of bad people from Altadena, so <laughs> when I have a chance to be good and promote somebody good, I roll with it, man. I 
that's my homeboy. And, and uh, I didn't meet him in California. I didn't meet him in Argentina. I met him in Brooklyn at a comedy club called Squads in Canarsie. It's a hard body club. You gotta be on your P's and Q's. And right. I was in the audience, and they said the next guy coming to the stage. He's from Los Angeles. I was like, King, he gonna put me up already? I just got here, and he right, said, right. Give it up for Jabari Davis. And I was like, Oh, who is that? Somebody's gonna do me up. Who is this kid, Jabari Davis? I don't know this dude. And he got up there, and he said, Yes, I'm from Los Angeles, California, but. Even more importantly, I'm from a little town in Los Angeles called Altadena, California. And when he said that, yo, know, right then I'm like, that's this is what I'm talking about. Yeah, this dude is way yeah. three thousand miles away. There's nobody else from Altadena in here, as far as he knows. But little does he know, his big homie is right here. <laughs> I and love I met him, and we chopped it up. And I was like, yo, you hustled, man. I, I feel you. My dude was out there. He was. You know, traveling around, going to this room, going to that room, you know, living in Motel 6s, eating a free breakfast in the morning and driving to the next spot where he could get some time. And I respect that. I'm like, yo, that's what I do. So let's go. Let's team up and let's go out here and let's let these cats know. It's all about laughing, man. Laugh hard. Laugh hard. I love it. Hey, y'all, this is Rodney Perry. We're listening to my man Freeze Love, man. This this has been been one of my favorite interviews, man. You you drop so many jewels for any comic that's going to listen to this. Please, please really listen. Freeze Love gave us some great, great jewels of wisdom. I got to I got to play I got to play some killer whales, though. Yo, man, you do. You can if you go to YouTube, you can play a hot single. Slap that seal let your blowhole blow. <laughs> hey, you know what? I, well, I'm, about to, I'm about to drop that right now. Hey, y'all, you, you, just, you listen to my man Freeze Love. The name of the song is Slap That Seal from Killer Whales. All right. Yo, thank you, homie. Hey, much love, baby boy. Much love. Much love, Rodney. I'm
Let your blow hole blow.
But well, it, it's not it's not hard when when you when you watch somebody one that people I'm I'm not just watching you I'm watching how people are receiving you and it was like you were really you really had that audience captivated and uh then you you've always been one that wasn't afraid to take chances you know I remember when the OJ thing happened you went down <laughs> down oh, to the scene. <laughs> I went directly to the crime scene. Me and my crime partner, Paula Bell, by the way, we yes. went to um, Rockingham, and I climbed, took a picture, took a picture climbing OJ's gate, and we went to Bundy, and I literally laid out on the sidewalk in front of Nicole Brown Simpson's house and took some pictures. It may sound morbid, but you know, in the comedic vein of it, it was. Yeah, it was still morbid, but I did. Yeah, but but I, but it was, you know I remember watching you on stage going, how brave was that? <laughs> you know, and, and 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 I guess my next question, just connected to that, what's your thoughts after being there? Because that's a slice of history. So after being there, are, do you walk away going he's guilty, or do you go, man, this guy couldn't have done this? Well, I feel a lot of ways. First of all, the only way I was able to do it is because we did it so soon after the murder. Because within two weeks after the murders, they put up signs on that street that there was no stopping any time. Like, you can't even park in front of those houses anymore. There's no stopping any time or the police will definitely come up to you. So there was none of that. I was able to do that. Um, They have since covered the front of that home with so much shrubbery that you wouldn't even know that that house was there anymore, and it is. I think they actually changed the number of the address of the home so that you can't, like, Google that address and get that house anymore. Oh, wow. And um, I came away thinking that, because I do have many, many thoughts on that, because I actually did a lot of investigation my own black self, and I read books, and I did uh, research, and I I still don't think that O.J. committed those murders. Do I think that he knew something may go down that night, and that's why he went by there to see? Yes, I do. Do I think that he may have come up on the end of it and seen what was happening? I was like, oh, God, let me get out of here, and that's why there was, you know, maybe a little blood here and there. Yes, I do. Can I explain the bloody glove behind this house? Uh, Yes, I can. It was planted there. And um, do I think that that Johnny Cochran got him off rightfully so? Yes, I do. I don't think that he's innocent in as much as, you know, he knew that there was maybe impending danger going to happen at that house because to me, uh, oh, uh, oh, uh, a street chick from Oakland, it all stinks of a dope deal game gone bad to me. Yeah. Not an exchange, but Nicole and her friend Faye Resnick, who is now flossing around like everything's all good on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, like mm-hmm. nobody remembers. Faye Resnick had been having a horrible crack uh, uh, habit. And her and Nicole and everybody was doing a lot of powder cocaine at that time. And O.J. was paying the bill for that because O.J. wasn't in it like they were if he was in it at all. And I think finally he said, I'm not paying this dope deal, no, this this dope 
uh, bill for y'all no more. You got yourself in it, get out of it. And he told the dog man, do what you got to do. And then they did. And he was like, well, let me go see what's going on. And, you know, so because the way the murders went down, that was definitely overkill on Nicole. And with Ron Goldman coming there and walking up on it, he just caught it. He got to the wrong place at the wrong time. And it was just, like, more professional. Rodney, if you go to kill somebody or if I go to kill somebody, I don't think that we really even have the stomach Right. To slit somebody's exactly. throat and almost cut their head off. Yeah, yeah. It, it takes it takes a, a different type of person. Hey, y'all, you listen to my girl Lunell. The website is Hey Lunell. That's H E Y L U E N E L L, and she's at uh-huh. Lunell on Twitter, and she's the official Lunell on Facebook. Um, I would imagine people misspell your name all the time. All the time. Is is it a pain in the butt, or you just kind of you used to correcting people? No, it's a pain in the butt, and I take great offense to it, and I uh, always correct people because you know, they if they care, they'll spell your name right. Yeah. Nobody's spelling you know DL's name incorrectly. Nobody's spelling Bill Cosby's <laughs> name incorrectly. He only, got two, name he only got two letters though. <laughs> but Hughley could be spelled a different way. Oh yeah, true. You know. And um, nobody's misspelling the people. If they care about you, they'll spell your name right. If they don't care, especially if you're in a profession, if you are calling yourself a journalist, a reporter, a, a DJ or a VJ or anything like that in the media, and you're not doing your research at the most basic, basic thing to spell it, the entertainer, the celebrity that you're interviewing, writing about or whatever, to not spell their name right, then you're telling me you're a lazy writer, you're a lazy reporter, or you're uneducated and don't need to be doing what it is you profess that you're trying to do. Hello. <laughs> hey, hey, Lunell, let, let's go here, because um, I, I, I'm a fan of Lunell the comedian, but I'm a huge fan of Lunell the actress. Now, l- let's go back. First of all, I know a lot of people think, you know, well, we saw her on Borat, and that was definitely your breakout. But for me, Lunell in the Rock was a oh, beat. Lord. I'm serious, because I remember going, Lunell made it. I remember we was we was all, for, for anybody that don't know, Lunell, myself, Cat Williams, uh, Dugar, John Austin, um, Rip the Player of Comedy, Dijon. Uh, it's so many names from that That's era. Right. Doug Pauly, Chandra, I mean, uh, uh, Cinderella, so many names from that era that we were all kind of in the Bay Area growing up in our formative years. And and I, re- I remember so vividly when you booked that movie going like one of us got a glimmer of light. <laughs> was, you it, know, was, that, was that that for you? Because I, did you go in like an, as an extra and end, end up with a speaking line or something? What's the story with The Rock? Okay. First of all, let me start one one movie before that, which was my first movie, and The Rock was my second. I'm only bringing up the first one to show you how life has been very fluky for me in this. When I got my first film, which was So I Married an Axe Murderer, which oh, was my, my first film Lake. before he ever did any Austin Powers movies, I didn't even have an agent. I had never been on an audition. I was in San Francisco doing a play at the Western Edition Cultural Center with my friend, 
Abby, Abby Rome. Abby was committed. Actually, I was at his rehearsal. I wasn't even in the play. I was at his rehearsal watching, and his agent said, I got an audition for you. It's today at 1 o'clock. Can you go on the audition? And Abby was like, man, I'm in rehearsal right now. I can't go. And the agent was like, well, I got to send, you know, I'm, I'm set this up. It's a Mike Myers film, and I need you to go. He said, I can't go. Uh, I said, I'll go. I'm just saying this. I'll, and he said, hey, listen, uh, my friend is here, and she's an actress. So can I send her? And the agent had never seen me before, didn't know who I was, didn't represent me or anything. He said, yeah, I just got to send somebody over there. Yeah, yeah, send her. She, she can go to the audition. I went to the audition, no headshot, no resume, and all I had to do was play, play a cop. I wasn't blonde yet. I didn't have a brand yet. I didn't have a name or anything. I auditioned, and I got a call back. I went back the next day and got the, got the part. Then he became my agent. Okay, so he got a call for they needed somebody to fill a little part in this movie called The Rock. This was maybe a year later. In that year, my mother passed away, and I had gotten pregnant. I was seven and a half months pregnant, and the agent called me and said, hey, they need somebody. They don't want to write any lines. They need, like, a comic or somebody to come in and just do this one little scene, and I want to send you over. And I said, well, you know I'm pregnant, right? And he was like, yeah, but you, you still can, you know, do it maybe if you want to. I said, okay. I go to San Francisco. I didn't even have a car. My girlfriend gave me a ride to San Francisco. I go into the audition room. In the waiting room, there's nothing but white folks in there and black me. Well, I did have a headshot. Now I had a small resume with one movie on it. So I go into the room. I get called into the room. And in the room, I didn't know who they were. It's Michael Bay and Jerry Bruckheimer. Wow. So I go into the room, and they say, hey, Linnell, how are you? I'm like, how are you doing? Pregnant me, sitting in there. Nobody really knows this story. I think it's one of the most incredible stories in my career. So they say, listen, okay, here's the scenario. You're a tourist, and you just got accidentally, like you got captured and locked into this cell, and you want to get out. Uh, let me know you want to get out this cell. And I was like, hey, somebody, let me out. You know, let me out this cell. Hey, I got locked in here. And they said, okay, now do it again. But you really, really want to get out the cell. I'm like, listen, listen, somebody come. Let me out. Let me out this cell. Come on, let me out. And he said, okay, now one more time. Just be yourself. And you really want to get out this cell. I said, Okay. Okay. Let me out this motherfucker. God damn it. Help somebody. Let me out this bitch. Let me out. Let me out. And they said, they laughed and they said, okay, go see wardrobe. Boom. They don't send you to see wardrobe unless you're going to get fitted for a bit. Now, when I walk out the door of the office, all the white folks in the waiting room, all they heard was me screaming, let me out this bitch. Let me out this motherfucker. Somebody help. 
So they didn't know what was going on in there. They thought maybe somebody was attacking me in there. And I walked out, and I looked at him and laughed. I went in the other room and gave my measurements. And lo and behold, I got booked for one of the biggest movies that year, and I was pregnant. Who gets hired big and pregnant? They put a sweatsuit on me. I had to meet at San Francisco at the waterfront, take a boat over to, you know, Alcatraz. Alcatraz. There's no electricity. There's no heat. Everything's on generator. And we did it, and it remains one of the things that the five seconds I had in that movie, people still stopped me on the street about that movie. Wow. I think that that speaks to the type of actor you are because you always stand out. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, speaking of standing out, so you just told a story about The Rock. You were pregnant. So maybe it had to be only a few weeks, maybe a month or so later, Maybe two months later, right? What, when I went away on vacation? No, no, no. no. Two months later when you were having the baby and you and I were working on the pilot in Oakland. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Lunell and I are on the set working on the pilot in Oakland. I I don't even remember what it was about, but I remember you. Terry Hobson. Yeah. I think it was, uh, what was it called? I know Money B from Digital Underground was in it. I remember Money B was in it. And you was in uh, it, I was in it. I know the name of it, but I can't think of it right now. Yeah, I was on set, and yeah. Right. And it was it was a long day. They were putting this 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 pilot presentation together. It was a long day, and at some point, Lunell was like, "Look, my back hurts. <laughs> my back, <laughs> my back hurts. I don't feel good." And they had a set. It was sort of like a set, like the Cosby's. Like over here was the kitchen, over yeah. here was a bedroom, and over here was a. I went and laid down on the bed in the bedroom portion of the set. There was some little boy to do with the the presentation as well. He came and laid in the bed with me and was rubbing my back. I said, oh, that feels so good. Keep rubbing my back. I was feeling these pains. I couldn't understand what it was. Terry came. He was like, well, what? Because I guess my scene was ready to shoot. Terry Hobson came, and he was like, so what's the matter? I'm like, oh, my stomach is killing me. I don't know what's wrong. Know what's wrong. And he started, for some reason, timing me. And he said, you are having contractions, fool. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have no backpack for the hospital. I didn't know what I was doing. I was confused. But I know I looked fabulous as they were wheeling me out on the gurney. In between <laughs> contractions, I'm like, I'm off to give birth. Farewell, farewell. Farewell to all. <laughs> man, I, man, Lunell, it, it's been such a great journey, man. Uh, especially to kind of to kind of watch your successes, to watch Borat blow up, you know, to watch, you know, e- even uh, man, to watch you on Chocolate News that was ridiculous. Loved, <laughs> loved, loved Chocolate News. Shout out to David Allen Greer. Thank you. I did more than one episode of that. Yeah, too. Yeah. And, and and then you played Nellie Ruckus on the Boondocks. Yes, Lord. I've never been paid so well to talk so bad. I talk worse <laughs> than Nellie Ruckus than I do in my own bad mouth life. Huh? Hilarious. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and so 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 many great opportunities. Uh, most recently taken to um, Hotel Transylvania. Uh, uh, Come On Man, which is, you know, the movie that we did together. Yeah, um, your, one of your finest moments, I like to think. You were 
you showed a side of yourself in that film that I don't think people have seen, and that was really, you know, like a dramatic sort of role. And you were really very nurturing, caring to your best friend, and like everybody who I know that has, you know, um, you know, uh, 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 an eye for talent and 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 growth and diversity. We all agree that we think that's one of your finest moments on film is doing that movie for real, Rodney. Oh wow! Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. And so, so what, what's your approach? Because some comedians, I think you can see that they can act. Like I always, it, it it was not a stretch to me when I saw you acting. But there are some of our peers that I just don't see it. What is it about Lunell the comic that makes you Lunell the actress? You know, I am a normal, insecure actor, just like everybody else. And I don't really think that I am a fabulous actress. What I think that I am is able to take direction. Hmm. You know, Everybody can't be directed. I can name you three people right now that we know that are friends, and they're 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 impossible to direct. They think they know everything. They always have a better suggestion. And you know when you you know when you are trying to just get a movie done, the best thing you can do is do your director's vision and the writer's vision. So since I'm the baby of eight kids, and everybody's always told me what to do anyway. I'm easily directed. Just tell me what you want me to do, and I will execute that as best as I can. And that's all that I do. It's not that I think that I'm Meryl Streep or anything like that. I don't memorize well. I, you know, I got wild hours when I should be home studying lives. I'm probably in the club or something like that. And I just don't really, really have long-term memory like that. But once you get in the trailer that day and you can reread over your sides and stuff, I can commit into my mind really quickly and fresh that way and go from the trailer, bam, to the set and do it. And yeah. all they have to do is tell me how they want me to do it. I think that's the only thing that I I can say. Now, you take somebody like Kim Whitley. Kim Whitley, you know, so-so comedian. Great actress to me. Yeah, yeah. Kim is a wonderful actress. I've seen her in movies that most black people probably haven't even seen her in. I've seen her work opposite people like Jennifer Aniston. And Kim can really, really act, okay? And I, and I, I don't have, I don't think, what she's got unless the director is a great director and can tell me what he wants me to do. I'll do what you tell me. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you on that because I, I know that you got all these different levels because I think, you know, it comes through in your comedy. Like, to me, when, when, you, when you're when on stage and you get into them little soft spaces and you're not afraid to be vulnerable as a comic, I think that fuels, you know, you have those gears to get into, like, as an actor. So, it's like you say, it's probably a, a, a matter of getting the right, person that can bring that out of you like like say for instance people you know of course you know monique you know had a great performance in precious right but what made that performance stand out was the fact that we were fueled by who we thought she was right so if you think somebody is this and then they give you some way over here that if lynn whitfield had to play precious's mama then it would have been lynn whitfield doing the crazy bitch again right you know, but now, I think that what I do have is an extensive theatrical background. Yes. I did theater 
for many, 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 many years before I ever got in front of a camera. And I pull from that theatrical experience on stage when I'm doing comedy because, you know, you have the same audience feedback. Now, that I attribute to in theater, you have rehearsal after rehearsal after rehearsal after rehearsal. You don't have that in movies and in television. You have a little bit of rehearsal in television, then you shoot. And you have even less in film, and you're expected to know already and then you shoot. But in theater, you get to rehearse, and you get to fine-tone it, and you get to work this out, and you get to do it. And that's what I think I pull from when I'm on stage doing my comedy. You see what I'm saying? Got it, got it, got it. Hey, and y'all, this and plus, I study a lot. Uh, people, this is the one thing that irks me about the comics today, is they have no um, conception of the history of anything. They don't study anything. Like you see a new comic come to a club, do their set, and leave. Mm-hmm. Don't even come and stay and watch the person who's in the position that they're trying to be. They right. don't stay and watch the headliner. They don't know anything about comedy in the past except Richard Pryor. They don't know who, they don't know any history of Joan Rivers. They don't know any history of George Carlin. They don't know any history of Freddie Prince. They don't know anything, and they don't care. The only people they know about is people that was on Comic View, maybe, and Def Jam, maybe, and they think that's where comedy started. And they don't care. They don't do any history. I had a a gentleman, well, I'm going to use that word (laughs) loosely, (laughs) loosely, who was on... We was booked on a, a flurry of shows that I was doing at Tommy T's in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. And he was going to be my feature. And he looked good and all this kind of stuff. And he was vaguely amusing. I think that he thought he was so cute that he didn't really have to be funny, which is oftentimes the problem with somebody who's super fine trying to do comedy. Right. Um, we got off stage and we're sitting around like us comics do commiserating and talking and reflecting and stuff after the show and just in general running our mouth. So I was, you know, holding court and talking and stuff like this, and I was talking about Robin Harris, and this brother said to me, he said, who's Robin Harris? Wow. And I said, don't ever say that out loud for the rest of your fucking life. And I had the management get him off my goddamn show. I said, until you learn who came before you, you're not going to be able to advance. You think you're fine, and that makes you funny. Well, you won't be rocking that attitude on my show, and I got him kicked off my show, and I got another feature. Wow, Lunell, do not be bullshitting. No, <laughs> you, you don't know who Robin Harris is? You're not worthy to stand on stage with me. Okay, well said. Hey, how do you not know who Robin Harris? Like that—that's not—that's not that long ago to me. That—that's not. Well, well, or, or do that make us old? It make makes us old, old Rodney. <laughs> God dang it! I thought you were gonna say no. No, no, it makes us old. No, they don't quote, know because they don't care. They don't care about. It's the same. same I, 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 um, I want to say it's the same with rappers. But it's not the same with rappers. Uh, rappers tend to know who the Africa Bob Bottas and who right. the ex clans and who the, you know, uh, old, you yeah. know, the Melly Bell and stuff like that. They the larger know. rap culture 
kind of gives you that information. Yes. I don't think the larger is, comedy culture gives you all that information. Comedy is such a self-centered, me, me, me business that all they really care about is themselves. They don't care about what came before them. They don't care about what's ahead for them. They just care about me and the moment and me. This is why I got in a big, I've never had a Twitter beef or a Facebook beef until one time, and that was with this guy in Oakland. I went back to Oakland to the old Dorsey's Locker that I right. used to host, you know, from, you know, God, you know how long I did that. And I was uh, coming back as an alumni to do the Blue Candle um, whatever poetry comedy night. Right. So there was a comedian who was going to come to the stage that I was going to introduce, and his name was Blackass. That was his. <laughs> That's his stage name? Yeah. Wow. And so I, you know, found out to be greatly not only stupid handle and name, but limiting and embarrassing and just dumb. Yeah, and so, so I said, well, ladies and gentlemen, you know, coming through the stage, I don't know how far he going to go into business with a name like this, but put your hands together for black ass. And he came up on stage and, like, cussed me out, called me all kind of bitches, told me he was from Acorn, and he shut this motherfucker down, and I thought that the place was going to get shot up that night. And so then he went ham on me on Facebook, and a whole bunch of people jumped on this bandwagon. Oh, she fat and fuck her, and she ain't funny, and all this kind of stuff. All this shit that, you know, obviously is not true. And I went on there and talked back and forth to him for a minute, and then I said, you know what, I'm grown. We don't have to go through this on Facebook. I'm not into this childish bullshit. You want to talk to me about this further? Here's my phone number. Call me, player, and we can go. He did call me, and when I talked to him, I mentioned to him, how many comics do you know that are working and are going by a nickname? That's only got to go so far as in Jamario, Jamario, Chucky Ducky, and all this kind of stuff. They're gone. And then also, what are you going to do when a white comic introduces you as black ass? Are you going to be pissed off because he said it in not the vernacular you wanted to hear it in? Or how many white rooms or other than black rooms or even upper class comedy black rooms are going to want to introduce black ass. You're limiting yourself. If you just want to do comedy for the homies on the block, you got the right name. If you're serious about this business, you're going to have to change that name. It's what, not, what, what, what's the resolve? What did he say? The resolve is he understood where I was coming from. I made a lot of sense, and he was listening. I said, now, if you were a man... You would go back on your Facebook, tell all your peeps that we had a conversation that I made a lot of sense, and you get it. I said, but you're not a man, you little bitch, and that's why I know you're not going to go back on your Facebook and tell them that we fixed everything because it will make you look soft. So that's cool. You know and I know, and I know you're not going to bow down in front of your boys, but you got to live in that acorn project where you stay at right now. And he did not go back on Facebook and said we had a conversation, but he left it alone, and I made my point, so I'm fine. I read a quote from you, and it said simply this, I am a nice person. How nice are you? I'm actually sickeningly nice. Like, you know, I'll rescue a puppy, I'll buy kids. I was just at Universal, Universal Circus, 
and there was a cute little girl behind me, and there was a not-so-nice little girl sitting next to her who was kind of obnoxious, and that girl had four sparkly canes and strings and necklaces and all the bells and whistles that go with being at the Universal Circus. And the cute little nice girl who was so excited to be at the circus, she didn't have anything. Well, I bought her every toy they had at the circus. She couldn't even carry out the shit that I bought her. You know, I do stuff like that. Or if I see somebody bullying somebody, I, I have to jump jump in on it. Or, you know, little old ladies, if I see a little old black woman walking down the street with groceries on a hot day, I'll pull over and ask her, would she like a ride home? I do stuff like that. The problem is I have a flip switch button on me that goes from zero to 60 in 3.5. As nice as I can be, I'll be up around your fucking neck within the next 30 seconds if you come at me wrong. And I'm trying to find a middle ground. <laughs> the happy medium. Yeah, so that I don't just flip the fuck out. I've been working on it, and it's working well for me because, you know, I I used to cuss out executives, you know, grown people in the business and all that stuff when I first came from Oakland. I was a raw dog, you know, but I've learned how to taper that, and now I can even say, you know, go fuck yourself, I don't believe a word you're saying, in a really nice way, to where they won't really realize I've told them to kiss my ass until 10 minutes after I've left the room. So, right. you know, so I have that ability to speak like that. I do have a degree in English from Cal State Hayward. So, you know, I can flip it, and, and, and I have learned to do so, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm working on that actually every day. So was, I, was, I that, was that um, was that adjustment what what you think that helped you to to kind of really because I, 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 it seems like it was a point where your star really began to rise. Was yeah, that absolutely. The adjustment. They uh, Laura Hayes, uh, also Oakland alumni. Laura Hayes uh, told me a long time ago. She said, "Well, they have to like you, Lunell. People have to like you. To you can be the baddest bitch in the game, and if they don't like you." You're not gonna work. And I was like, I don't give a fuck if nobody like me or not. And I know how funny I am. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. So I don't give a. They gotta like me. To, yes, they do. Yes, yes they they, they have to like you, and they have to know that you're pleasant to work with, and that you're not going to, you know, come in and try to take shit over. And even if you have great ideas and suggestions, you know how to present them to the right person in the right way at the right time. You know, and and how to be, you know. Discreet and this and that and the other thing And so I tell everybody that I've been in the game for 23 years But I really only learned how to play it well About six years ago Wow What a difference six years make Since those six years um, Tremendous uh, uh, film success And I know we can only look for more and more Uh, What's coming down the pipe for you, Lunell? Well, um I am getting offers all the time. I got some while I was in Atlanta, as a matter of fact, and New York, um, because I just came off of Flurry of doing New York and Erie, Pennsylvania, and Philly and uh, Atlanta. And um, I have a movie already in the can that will be out probably uh, around back to school time. It's called School Dance. And it's written and directed by my dear friend, Mr. Nick Cannon. And uh, it has all the heaters in it, all of us together. Myself, Kevin Hart, Mike Epps, and Kat, George Lopez, Wilma Valderrama, 
Amber Rose has the rejects, the new boys. The, um, uh, uh, it's got um, a Christiana DeBarge is in it. Little Bobby J plays my son. It's got uh, Jim Brewer, the comic from um, what was that? Half Baked. Yeah. And a uh, whole bunch of whole bunch of whole bunch of people is in this movie, and it's gonna be a back to school like smash, I'm sure, because it's really really crazy and ratchet. There's a new show called. Who Gets the Last Laugh, that premieres on the 11th of this month on TVS, and that pairs um, entertainers together with the pranks that they have conducted on other people, and the audience picks whose prank was the funniest, and then that celebrity wins $10,000 for his or her charity. Oh, nice. Uh-huh. It's produced by the same people who did Punk for Ashton Kutcher. Um, I have... Uh, Michael Williams from the Comedy Act Theater, believe it or not, has a, a horror movie that he's getting ready to shoot that I'll be going to, I think, I think maybe New Orleans, North Carolina, somewhere to shoot next month. That'd be my first horror film. And then I have, um, you know, my various uh, comedy dates around the country and some other, you know, radio things coming up and little TV, this and that here and there. So, you know, God is good. I'm the impatient one. I, you know, do think that it will be a beautiful day in America when I can make the money. of. I I, I tend to think that everybody around me is making more money than me. Everybody. Everybody around me is making more money than I am. And uh, I I really um, hope that I can live to see my attitude change, and my attitude will change when my bank account changes. But uh, I just got to keep on putting in the work and keep stay prayed up, and you know, hopefully that day will come. I got a kid. I got to get out of high school next year. I know I don't have to talk to you about kids and those. Kids. Not at all. Not at all. You are the king. If anybody knows about kids and how much they cost. If anybody out there has kids and you want to know how much it takes to raise a kid, talk to Rodney Perry because he's the king. And he got about 14 children. Hey, you're absolutely right. And I'm and speaking <laughs> of raising kids, let me get off of here. Hey, man, it, it's been an incredible interview. Um, Lunell, I told you I'm a fan. You know, anytime you need me, anytime we, we – we, I, I, I love to see your face. You got to come back by the house so the kids can uh, uh, hug your neck. Yeah, because out of them 14 kids, I love each and every one of them, and I do love being at your house chilling. And I know that you're the grill master, so we're getting it's getting ready to start being that time, isn't it? It almost it's almost that time. You know, <laughs> we're probably gonna do some, you know, a big barbecue probably July this year in July. So maybe I'll catch you in town. Uh, you know what? Maybe I'll just come for it anyway. You know what? You're welcome. We got a guest room waiting on you. I'll be there. Oh, yay. That sounds great. And everybody, thanks for supporting Rodney's show. Rodney, thank you for, you know, allowing me to run off at the mouth. You know, that's what I do on your show. And and much success to you. I hope that, you know, I hope you get everything that God's got got out there for you, baby. Hey, I love you, Linnell. Have a great rest of the day, sweetie. Thank you, honey. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Hey, y'all. This is Rodney Perry. You've been tuning in to Rodney Perry Live. Thank you to my man, Free Love. Free's Love. Thank you also to Lou Nell, the bad girl of comedy. Let me quick, quickly give you that stuff again. Free's Love. That's F-R-E-E-Z-L-U-V. Freezelovecomedy.com. And he's at Freeze Love Comedy on Twitter. And Lou Nell. She is at HeyLunell.com. And her Twitter is at Lou Nell. That's L-U-E-N-E-L-L. Spell it right or get
get swung on. Hey, this is Roddy Perry. Y'all keep following me, and I'll keep giving y'all something to follow. Be good. That's our show. We are out.